0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank. The bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio.
1: And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're tired of the big mega bank experience, and if you're at one of those banks, you know what I mean. Uh, You uh, just are up to your neck in computer-generated voices and phone trees that uh, keep from getting a live person. The way to get a live person is to pick up the phone and call one of the offices at Renaissance Bank Go to renaissancebank.com and find one of those local offices near you and give them a call. And guess what? Live people answer the phone. And you can actually leave a voicemail for a live person. Imagine that. So if that's the kind of service you want from your bank, you'll find it there. And that's my experience with Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Now I want to welcome an old friend, Bill Lampton. Bill is the biz communication guy the biz communication guy right bill yes
0: uh, let's for both of us let's say longtime friend not old friend
1: okay that <laughs> i like that better <laughs> much better thank you for that uh bill for those that don't know you give an introduction to you and your work how are you serving folks out there
0: Thank you. I Yes, as you say, the biz communication guy, that sums it up rather well because I work with businesses at all kinds of levels to help them identify their communication problems because usually, and I was in management for 20 years, usually you can't see your own problems. And that's why you need an objective, outside, qualified voice to come in and a set of eyes to see what you're doing, and to find ways to improve that. So I service uh, patients, executives, rising executives as a keynote speaker, a speech coach, and a communication consultant. And I've been doing that full-time since 1997 after my management career and also teaching communication at the University of Georgia prior to that. So communication has been running in my blood a long time
1: john it it has and what i'm just curious bill you've been at it for so long but why what got you started down this journey and why what communication what captured your fancy about the power of communication early on in your life my
0: fascination began in my college years i, I remember so well I was, like many other students at a small liberal arts college, I was required to take a speech course, Uh, the the course, naturally, that most people (laughs) dread taking. So I was enrolled in a speech course, never having any dreams at all that decades later I would be on the speech communication faculty at the University of Georgia, teaching other people who didn't want to be there. (laughs) (laughs) And in my basic speech course, I became enamored of the fact that if a student really prepared well, knew a topic, mastered it, and presented it with vitality and with good supporting information, that student in 10 minutes could change opinions. And not only that, could even change behavior. At the same time, John, I was a history major. And certainly as a history major, I noticed the incredible impact of communication. I think my major uh, focus of study was World War II. And I still read a lot about World War II. Anyone who looks at World War II history knows how the rhetoric of the times shaped history. And you could look at the uh, negative side with Adolf Hitler, and you could look at the positive side with Churchill and Roosevelt. And also in history, I even learned about nonverbal communication. Mahatma Gandhi, with his, he was the first with his nonviolent protests, which we see every day today. So that, that ignited my interest in communication. I also had the privilege of being active in theater as an uh, actor in several plays. And really, I found out that um, was more difficult than speaking, because in speaking, you rely only upon yourself. And acting, if somebody else forgets their lines or if somebody else is not having a very good night, that reduces your impact. And then later on, of course, I had the same observation that government leaders, religious leaders, business leaders, the most effective ones were those who could communicate well. And I'll wind this segment up by saying that I came across years ago, Daniel Webster saying, if I were to lose all of my possessions except one, I would save the power of communication for by it, I would soon regain all of the rest. And that's well, my mantra, John.
1: Yeah. uh, Oh, right. I mean, when you, there's so many figures to point to that inspire us from a historical point of view. And I think your passion the people that know you, your passion for this subject inspires us. So thank you for that. Um, let's talk about uh, fear. <laughs> uh, you talk about the people that don't want to be in speech or communications class. A lot of them don't want to be in there because they're afraid, right? right. W- if they're honest about it. And um, fear is not something they get over sometimes. Maybe your students got over it, but you know, I think a lot of people don't get over it, even if they have it that subject in school. Right. So talk about stage fright, um, actually due to a stage or just getting in front of a camera and how you counsel your clients on dealing with stage fright.
0: It is definitely a universal fear and, I'm confronting that a long time ago to be candid. I'm one of those students that sat in the back of the classroom because I didn't want to be called on. Later on, when I started teaching and certainly when I started professional speaking, I realized what a mistake that was because even with a group of 300, you can still see the people at the back of the room. But they're This has been a topic that I've dealt with with many clients because I I know that we've got to get past that. In fact, I, I wrote a short book that's on Amazon, 25 Ways to Control Your Stage Fright and Become a Highly Effective Speaker. And the first thing that I say is, why did I say control your stage fright? Why didn't I say get rid of it? My point here, John, is that stage fright, believe it or not, has its benefits. Well, what benefits? The benefits are that you are energized, you are, as we might put it, you are you're hyped up, you're revved, and that's a kind of energy that that you can transmit to the audience on, in a positive way. I like mm-hmm. to think of it this way too. Suppose uh, somebody gave you some complimentary tickets and you went to a uga football game and here's the crowd cheering before the kickoff the team comes out from the locker room and they all go sit down on the bench and start yawning you know kind of game would you expect no these guys are you know they're laughing each other they're Mm high-fiving they're jumping around they're waving to the crowd and really before my scheduled conversation with you this morning I get the butterflies in the stomach and I would worry if I didn't. There's a saying that I wish I had originated, but it's a good one. Uh, and is it's okay to have the butterflies, just get them to fly in formation. Oh. So several quick tips. One is remember that the audience is on your side. The audience is pulling for you. Why? Because we've all been in situations, hopefully not when we were speaking, but we've all been in situations where the speaker is popping, just very obviously. The audience is just as uncomfortable as the speaker. So the audience is pulling for you. And secondly, the audience doesn't expect and the audience doesn't want perfection they don't want somebody who's uh, a bot reciting something that they've written down. They want a real person talking with them. And then a third thing that I would emphasize is that we've all, as presenters, and I'm talking not just talking about professional speakers. I'm talking about whether we're speaking to a civic club or we're talking to our department or whatever. We've got an ace in our hand that nobody knows about. Well, what? The ace is that we, and only we, know what we intend to say and what we want to say. And so (laughs) how many times, John, have you, I've been to many of your presentations. They're always wonderful. How many times have you driven home and on the way home, you think, oh my gosh, I forgot to say this.
1: Every (laughs) single time, (laughs) right?
0: But who knows that? Nobody knows that but you. And then the, the final point on that topic can't give all 25. But another one that I emphasize is your audience is not looking for perfect. And when I'm coaching a client, the, and I give them a handout of tips, I purposely misspell, I really botch it, the word perfect. I say, don't try to be perfect and do P-U-R-F-F-T. Well, the meaning. So mm-hmm. that illustrates to them, you don't have to be perfect for people to get the meaning. People don't want a mannequin that speaks. So those are some of my major tips: embrace stage fright, control it, but be glad that you are you're not apathetic. If if you're apathetic, that's going to get to the audience instantly, and and it'll be very difficult to get them back. So pick topics that you're excited about. Uh, virtually,
1: yeah, it's good to hear from. Bill Lampton. Bill is president of championship communication. He's also the biz communication guy. Um, Bill, you, one one of the things that you talk about um, clients in your approach is, I guess what those things are pretty untraditional, right? You, you've got an untraditional approach. So talk about uh, what approach is and why that approach you think is important for success with your clients. I welcome that question. I'll identify
0: first the traditional approach which probably many of us in our uh, Buller college speech classes this this the way we were supposed to do it. We were supposed to write a speech out word for word and then the goal was and we would be graded down if we didn't do this. The goal was to truly recite that to the audience verbatim. And if we didn't, it a uh, failure on our part because we didn't stick to the script.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those kinds of speeches are totally passe now. And anyone who is either following that method or teaching it is going to lose audiences. So my method is... I tell people about the different types of preparation and delivery. Certainly there's the impromptu where, John, you're at a meeting and somebody says, John, get up and tell us about your radio show and you can do that. And then second, of course, would be a speech that is written and one that is memorized. But the, what I teach is the keywords method. And this means that You do master your topic just with all the research, with interviews you may need to do ahead of time, with experts, whatever you do, you master the topic. That's essential. And then the next thing to do is to focus on the ideas, not the exact words. So I have given many two-hour presentations where my notes, they're not PowerPoint necessarily, but my notes will be some keywords that i've written on the back of an envelope i don't carry uh, notes up there with me i don't carry a manuscript and every now and then every 20 minutes or so i will look down at as notes so what i'm emphasizing is that a speech, as, as I remember one teacher of rhetoric said, a speech is not an essay standing on his hind legs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. A speech is where we've got something compelling, beneficial, interesting, possibly humorous that we want to share with our audience. We get the topic down pat. And then with very little props, as you might say, in the acting profession, we share that with the audience. And then one other thing I would add here, too, that's vital is get contact uh, with that audience ahead of time. When I'm a keynote speaker, one of the things I do is I have the chairman of the organization give me the names and emails and phone numbers of four people I can have a conversation with ahead of time. So having a conversation with four leaders ahead of time accomplishes several things. One, I get better insights on the topic. Secondly, I've already got four supporters in my audience. And then third, when we get to the presentation, I've had those people agree with be Okay, if I call on you to participate, yes. And when they do, what happens? That breaks the ice. And then mm-hmm. other people will want to participate. So yes, my method is one which would not be textbook, but I've found it has worked extremely well for me and also for my clients.
1: So, you have a successful podcast yourself, and uh, you want to give you a chance a little later to give people directions to that. Um, so you're a guest on this podcast, and you know, I'm a, uh, two of them myself, I want you to give. For podcast guests, okay, give them advice because you talked about how you came into this interview. As many interviews as you've done, both as a guest and a host, um, your nerves before this one. So, talk a podcast guest about how to bup uh, and uh, be do a, a successful interview with a podcast host.
0: As, as the guest, you're talking as the guest, please. Yeah, yes, sure. Yeah. Well, all of course, be well-informed about your topic. And I would get back to what I would say about speeches. Don't have anything written out. You can have some notes. It's also good, and I've done this even when I was hosting radio shows, it's very good to have some questions prepared ahead of time. Now, in my case, when I'm hosting a podcast guest, I've Study their background. I study what they're doing, and I present the questions to them about a week ahead of time. In your case, John, you ask me to uh, provide the questions, which was fine. And then the best to be the absolute ideal guest, recognize that this is not going to be strictly a Q and A situation. <laughs> John asks this, Bill answers this, so. Right be open to impromptu questions in any conversation one one topic or one statement is going to lead to something else so be open be flexible and don't try to be a don't try to be a broadcaster <laughs> we <laughs> broadcasters every day on the news and we say gosh that's that's I've got to be like perfect diction. Uh, never saying, uh, uh, never looking around, wondering what to say next. <laughs> Th- those people are paid professionals. They've been doing that since they were in high school mm-hmm. and through journalism school. And that's what their audiences want. But your audience wants a real person who's responding in real time. So prepare, whether your host does the questions or you do, be flexible Use a conversational tone, and have a conversation, not an interview, which I feel John and I are, are having now, and we want it that way. And Absolutely. so do I. So, so do our guests and listeners.
1: Absolutely, and uh, just to prove the point on improvisation, folks. Um, but- that he supplied all the questions. See, I just threw that question in that question about podcast guests. He didn't, he did not give me that one. Um, I thought you, I wanted to throw that one in there, Bill, because what you had to say earlier about preparing for a speech, a lot of that seemed to fit great advice for a podcast guest.
0: I welcome the question. And one other thing I believe we should also add on being a podcast guest Concentrate on one person, and that's your host. Don't worry about a hundred or thousand or ten thousand people watching you or listening to you. Just concentrate on your host. Make it a you know, as as we're having coffee with them, even.
1: Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, Bill Lampton is with us, folks. The uh, professor of were you professor of speech or what was, you, what was your title yeah, at the University speech, of Georgia? Speech Communication
0: at the University of
1: Georgia, right. Speech, speech Communications at the University of Georgia. Graduate of Millsaps. Do I remember that right?
0: That's right. I graduated okay. from Millsaps College, Jackson, Mississippi, and that's where I had that speech course that in uh, me for my career.
1: Yeah, great tool. And um, the president of Championship Communication, and he is – the biz communication guy. So one of the things that I think a lot of people think is they've got to have a joke. They've got to be funny to start out a speech to get their audience warmed up. Tell us what you think about that advice.
0: I think it can be disastrous for several reasons, Number one, and John, in the age of the internet, how is anybody going to tell a joke that we haven't heard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so it, it might be old material. Secondly, the, the reason not to start with a joke is that it's it's expected, it's customary, it's ordinary, and you don't want to start in just the way same way everybody else does. A third reason not to start with a joke is that, we all know that practically every joke has a fall guy, has somebody that's a victim. Now you as the speaker might be thinking, well, I look at audience here and I can tell the joke that, that uh, slams somebody else and that'll be okay. But it's not okay because there are people in that audience who will empathize with the fall guy that, that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then again, many of us just can't. Tell jokes effectively, we think we can. I could do it on the golf course with my buddies. They might might have gotten tired of them, but I I could do that okay there. Telling a joke with an audience, so what what if it flops? That's that's the biggest dangers and the biggest reasons not to tell one. If it flops, you're embarrassed, your audience is ill at ease, and you'll have a heck of a time getting them back. So for those reasons, I'm not against the humor. You can start with a quip. You can, and of course, it should be a self-directed quip a la Rodney Dangerfield. But don't start with a canned joke. Start with a story, a personal incident, a statistic, a recent event that people are talking about. Those are much better ways and safer ways to begin your
1: presentation. Bill, I want to... Ask another question that, that kind of not one you gave me, but one for us to talk about. But one that kind of I'm sure our listeners may be thinking, particularly those that have stage fright, they hear your advice about you just not coming with a script, not coming with, you know, the doubt speech to read. I love the speech on the on legs, uh, for that one, <laughs> not an essay, a uh,
0: speech is not an essay on his hind legs.
1: I love that one. Um, that alone scares people to death. Um, being without the you know, keywords and being afraid, they're not going to say everything they wanted to say, maybe being afraid that they're going to go too long because one of the things that Essay on hind legs does and once you get to the end, that's it, right I mean so so sometimes you can go on longer than you intend by just having keywords to speak off of or notes, but talk to the that fear that listeners may have about using the method that you describe
0: the fear of time factor
1: well the the fear of just using I guess a lattice work of keywords to deliver your speech versus having everything written out for you and making sure that you say everything you want to say and you do it in the time you need to do it in.
0: Well, let's get to what we commented on a couple of minutes ago. That if you don't say everything you wanted to say, nobody knows that, <laughs> Just, <laughs> unless you have mentioned. I've got five points at the beginning of it, and you get to number four, and you run out of time. But for the most part, uh, are are you know, you leave something out. They don't know. That's an important point to stress again. But it's. It- well, uh, oh. one of the things that happens in speaking is that the time seems to fly by to the speaker, whether it does to the audience or not. And that is a challenge. One of the items that I've posted often on LinkedIn, John, is that if you want credibility with your audience and if you want them to in, uh, invite you back again, when you say in conclusion, mean that <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that increases your credibility and they'll love you for mm-hmm. it too but there we we have to be conscious of time whether it's written out or whether we're going sort of hello with uh, the preparation we've done
1: yeah that uh, is good advice so you've done a lot of uh videos over over 450 as i understand. That's a lot of instructional videos, um, about video charisma, because this is another piece of it that even though we're, we're years past the pandemic and people are still, um, about how they look, how they come across on video on zoom and, uh, formats. Initially,
0: John, my first comment would be if you are not in the business Of producing videos, either on your own or with some kind of professional help, you are missing great opportunities to be current. When I started my communication consulting and speaking career in 1997, print was very important. We had to have a website that had good print on it. Mm -hmm. And then next, my Tech guy Mike Stewart said to me one day, you don't have any audio on there. So we started putting audio on there. Audio still is important, print is still important, but if we're not in the business of having conversations with people through video, we are we're not current at all. And one of the one of the points that I definitely want to make is that. Video has, as you know, Jay, has become so much more user-friendly. It's become much more cost-effective. When I first started recording videos, I had a 13-point checklist that I had to go through <laughs> when I was then going to load it onto the computer, and it, it would take half a day, possibly more, to do a five- to seven-minute video. But what I would say to people about succeeding in video Think of the, your camera as your friend. And when you're recording, again, going back to what we said about podcasting, or speaking, don't uh, worry about perfection. Mm-hmm. If you, if as, as I just did now, if you stumble, if you have to take a second to think of something, if you misstate a word, that's just a person talking. I go back to the bit of, picture somebody listening, somebody watching on video. And as you're looking into the camera, have someone in mind and think of them just as I I advised about your speaking audience. They're your friends. They're your supporters. They want to learn from you. They want to uh, want to get uh, to know you in personal way that video can bring. So, to learn video, it is good to get a someone who can coach you. I certainly did that. I continue to rely on people for that. And then I certainly say critique your own videos. I wasn't aware of this until recently, John, but you can take a video that you have done. You can, if you've got... Uh, the right technology on your television, you can upload it to your television. You can watch it uh, with your dog sitting by your side, as I do at night. You can watch a replay of you did that day or a couple of days ago. Be your own, uh, be your own critic. You'll find out, well, gesture I repeated too often. I, I need to pay some attention to that. Uh, smiling enough, I didn't have enough eye contact but here were the good things I did. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: get a coach, uh, and to be your own critic. I watch every replay of every, I'm, as you say, I've done more than 450 videos. Now that's Some of those that I did in 2007 that are on YouTube, I don't
1: want anybody to look at. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear you on that. I don't want anybody to hear my first interviews. Uh, They were terrible. Um, There's hope in that, right? I mean, come to, you know, let's do that. Uh, If you continue to practice your craft, um, get better just by nature of the attempt, right? If you're objective,
0: if, if you're objective and can, can look at yourself objectively, yes, again, it's essential and beneficial to have someone else do that as well. But you don't need a coach watching over you every day. You can become your own coach. Mm-hmm. So that's why I will watch an interview and I I know that there's some habits that probably I could still eradicate, but there quite a lot of them I got rid of. That's why nobody, please look at 2007 videos.
1: <laughs> uh Lampton folks, uh, Bill, uh, this has been great. And I, I've, I, I've got so many more questions to ask you, but for, for purposes of time and your schedule, I want to make sure we're respectful of that. I want to ask you one more question and then we'll... Uh, the most important question, which is how folks can find you. But one of the really important points that you make in everything I hear you say is that listening is part of successful communication. So talk about what you mean by that. Um, Whatever venue format we're talking about, whether that's uh, a speech in front of an audience or just one-on-one.
0: Listening is one of our most powerful communication tools, and it's definitely one of the most neglected. I I guess every communication course that you could look at in high schools or in colleges, they talk about sending messages, but they don't mm-hmm. talk very much about receiving messages. And I, I'll give a very quick illustration. Early in my speaking career, I was invited to speak to a group in Atlanta, A lunch group. So they asked me, we'd like to give your title. Would you give that and we can promote the show that way? So I said, Yes. And my title was Listen Your Way to the Top, because I that's something that I firmly believe. So when I get there, John, the printed program has my name and my topic is speak your way to the top. (laughs) so i pulled the host aside and i said i don't want to embarrass anybody but this is a great way for me to illustrate what most people think even when you say the that listening is so important we then had a one-hour discussion of listening problems now to me I would refer everyone to Stephen Covey's chapter five and "Seek," uh, which is titled "The Chapter is Seek First to Understand and Then to Be Understood." Mm. He gives five levels of listening. Number one is ignoring. Now, John, you and I would never do that, right. <laughs> of course. Right. The second lesson is pretending we're talking to somebody, but all the time in our mind we're thinking you know what I'm supposed to pick up from the grocery on the way home today? Is bread and milk or what is it? And then the third level is selective listening. Selective is where, John, you call me in for my uh, interview uh, of praying my work. And so I'm listening very well selectively while you're telling me what a great year I've had and how well I've performed. All of a sudden, you say, But Bill, here's some things we got to work on. Okay. I get into selective listening mm. then. Okay. The fourth level is attentive listening. Okay. We're getting better now. We're understanding what people are saying, we're giving them our full attention. But the best level, the highest level, we all need to strive for, which Cuffy, states and I fully emphasize is empathetic listening, mm. where we not only go to the words but we go to the the feeling beyond the words. And I I'll, I'll conclude that section with Covey saying most people don't listen. They are waiting their turn to speak. My experience has been that if you become a superb listener, you may in the in your career, you may surpass
1: the superb
0: talkers many times.
1: Mm. So, listen, your way to the top, folks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it was Bill Lampton, Dr. Bill Lampton, uh, the communication guy. Bill is the president of his own practice, commu- uh, Championship Communication. Bill, this has been fantastic. I always learn something when I'm with you without a fail. So, thank you for that. And I know. Our listeners have learned a lot as well, and some of them may want to be in touch. So let's tell them how they can do that, how they can find you. And I mentioned earlier your your podcast, so let's make sure we mention that as well. Thank you, John. And I
0: feel, as always, honored to be your guest. I appreciate your work so much, and I can hardly wait till December when your book comes out, I, I get to read that very quickly and interview you about Uh, pricing and value, which you have mastered. Thank you. The best way to get in touch with me is the Biz Communication Guy. My website, quite logically, is biz, com. When you go to the website, you can find uh, there to subscribe to my podcast, the Biz Communication Guy podcast. Also, of course, I'm on the social media, I'm on LinkedIn, and I welcome phone calls. My number is 678-316-4300. Call me for an exploratory non-obligation call to tell me about your communication challenges and problems. We'll discuss how I can assist you with them. So I look forward to... Follow-ups from my interview with, excuse me, conversation with John. It's a remarkable host, and I appreciate this. And thanks to those of you who were with us as viewers and listeners.
1: Bill, thanks again. Bill Lampton, Dr. Bill Lampton, Championship Communication. uh, Thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick Reminder, speaking of stumbling over things uh, about uh, speeches and videos, but what about your back office? If you've got issues with bookkeeping or preparing presentations, or maybe it's just those little tasks that you're spending way too much time on that an assistant could t- take off your hands and make you a lot more productive in your business, well, the folks at Office Angels have solutions for you, and their solutions are angels who fly in get the job done and they fly out and they do it on, on an ongoing or as needed basis. I know of the great work they do because they do it for me and I couldn't run my business without them. So give them a call at 678-528-0500. Explain what your problem is. And they, I think I'm quite certain will come up with a solution for you that will help you restore the joy to your business. And folks, I uh, mentioned I've got a book coming out later this year, uh, December 2023, uh, set here right now. It's called The Generosity Mindset Method for Business Success, Raise Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices. If that's something of interest to you, if you're a professional services provider, you may p- particularly find this book helpful um, to the generositymindset.com. You can sign up to receive updates when the, uh, when the book gets closer. And when it was released, where you can find it. Um if you want to get in touch with me directly. You can email me, John at johnray.co is my email address. And I want to thank you, uh, our listener. You have uh, uh, helped us get over now 700 episodes of this uh, series, North Fulton Business Radio, and uh, encouragement and support every day. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, you help us live into our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region and beyond. And uh, we're for you. Continue to do what you've always done. Share the show. uh, Like us on all the social media platforms. Share a a post or two if you're so inclined, particularly if you hear hear something in one of our interviews that uh, you've been helpful. And I can't imagine you haven't found some helpful questions in this one from uh, Bill. So continue to do that and help us help our guests and shine the light on them. So for my guest, Dr. Bill Ampton, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.